Today is the start of the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament, a.k.a. March Madness. So my question for you, what mad scientist is the winner of your bracket? Uh, Tabitha, you, you have a history of threatening violence if people steal your answers. So I'm going to start with you, but I don't know if I'll continue to do that if you continue to threaten violence. I think I might have to try to call your bluff. Um, try and see what happens, I guess. I don't know. Um, My life is in danger. I don't know the start of this. <laughs> so, yeah. um, when you said mad scientist, like, I immediately thought of Heinz Dupenschwartz from uh, Phineas and Ferb. And I was real worried as soon as you said mad scientist that Matt would also think of Dr. Dupenschwartz. So I was like, if you take mine, going to be on. So then I had backups ready. Uh, I had Dr. No and Professor Farnsworth from Futurama as my backups in case Matt got to go first and took mine. Uh, but I'm going to stick with Dr. Doofenshmirtz because he really wants to be evil, but deep down he's cuddly, which is like the actual reverse of me. So like I appear to be cuddly, but deep down I'm just evil. So it's like he's my opposite and I like that. <laughs> okay, uh, Matt, were you going to steal that? Um, well, <laughs> when she threatened physical violence in group chat, um, and then immediately texted me and said, don't take mine or I'll kill you. Um, I said, were you going to, were you going to answer Doofenshmirtz? And then I think I got a string of expletives back. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, that's what I was going to go the same place. Uh, but my second choice, um, <laughs> is Baxter Stockman. From Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay, okay. I mean, he's got wings. He's fly. Oh my god. <laughs> he's jumping over my bell. Oh! Jelly bean bell! <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's actually living the this time. Right? It works. It works. It's a jump <laughs> bell. It's a what? It's a jelly bell. A jelly bell. Instead of a jelly belly? Exactly. Oh, I get it. Okay. All right. Uh, who is on the top of your mad scientist bracket, Julia Child? I mean, Lydia. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I had to put some thought into this, and my mind went two places. One was Doc Emmett Brown, because let's face it, that man is mad, even though he figured out a way to go back in time and forward and all that other stuff. And then the other direction my mind went was Dr. Frankenfurter, which is complete. <laughs> Like, encapsulation of mad scientist. <laughs> so, one of them. So, actually, both of those um, were ones that I thought of as well. But the one that I ended up going with was uh, Dr. Uh, Moreau. Why did I, like, completely blank on that? <clears throat> Something about, you know, hey, you're now part animal like that just i don't know that just freaks me out so yeah, no way <laughs>
Activision and Blizzard offices are getting kind of cold, it sounds like. Yeah, it's a chilly atmosphere going on there. Um, but, um, the freezer burn. <laughs> yeah, I need to find my phone because I feel like there's going to be a lot of jelly bean shames going on tonight. <laughs> I got my real bowl, but I had to take a drink and then I had to put it down. There was a lot that had to happen before that shame could roll out. I'm getting such an icy reception. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, news broke recently that Activision Blizzard is laying off anywhere between 50 to 190 of their employees. Um, minimum of 50. Um, they basically said 50 people are being laid off um, from their esports division. Um, they said part of that is just reassessing what they're doing with esports, um, and some of those people that are being laid off were people that they had hired to work with live events, which we all know how live events and cons over the last year have not happened. So, um, the good news for those people is that they are getting um, 90 days severance and health benefits for up to a year, and as a little extra perk thrown in, $200 in gift cards to Battle.net just like Blizzard's online store, which seems so tacky, but you know, whatever. Um, those 50 employees are, that's being done so that they can refocus and change the esports division. Um, another report said that up to 2% of Activision Blizzard's workforce could be laid off, which is where they get the number of 190. Um, so possibly 140 more people at Activision Blizzard may be losing their jobs. Um, and roughly at the same time that this all broke, um, there was also news that the CEO, Bobby, uh, Kodak is getting or going to be receiving a bonus payout of upwards of $200 million. Um, it dates back to an incentive program that he signed as part of his contract um, in relation to stock prices, which their stock prices have just continued to rise despite the pandemic and layoffs and whatever else. Um, so this 200 million would be him collecting on the incentive bonuses that were missed in previous years. Um, it, but it just like the fact that the news kind of broke simultaneously that these people are getting laid off and he's getting a $200 million bonus seems gross. Yeah. <laughs> it's it just, it's just wrong. Um, another Activision executive, Tony Petiti, um, said that part of the uh, layoffs is a need to reduce costs and free up resources to allocate to other areas of the company. Uh, CEO bonus does not count as reallocation of those funds, if you ask me. Um, uh, Tony Petiti did not comment on the possibility of those other layoffs, the other 140, which would equate to the 2%. Um, I mean, this is all still kind of unfolding, so the, the, the bonus hasn't been paid out. Um, at this point, the 50 employees have been laid off. Um, but this also follows um, 800 employees that Activision Blizzard laid off in March of 2019. So 
they're laying off people, but their CEO is getting massive monetary bonuses, which is disgusting and awful. Um, But like I said, it's, it's still kind of a developing story um, on what's actually going to happen. But at at this point, those are kind of the facts of uh, what's going on. So, yeah. Um, there's so, so basically much. For a good, sorry. Go ahead. Say so, so basically for a good portion of the people that they laid off, it was, hey, we hired you to do this one specific job. And since you can't do that one specific job now, bye. Like that's yeah. highly unfair. Like there's, there's nothing else you could find for these people to do. Right. And just overall, like so many of those things just sound really bad. Like, there's the whole, there's the whole, uh, you know, hey, I'm going to fire people and get their money. Um, but also, like, that's akin to me getting fired from my job and then being like, hey, here's a buy one, get one free coupon. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that's like, right. You know, the 90-day severance, the year health benefits, that's cool because there's not a lot of companies that will do something like that. Mm-hmm. The $200 in gift cards just seems tacky. Um, very, very but, tacky. <laughs> it, <laughs> we're not, you're losing your job, but go spend money at our store. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got a lot more free time now. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> Guess they're gonna need something to take up their time. Might as well play video games, right? Yeah. Um, the people that fired them. <laughs> it, yeah. it reminds me of uh, this happened. I don't know, maybe last year, a couple years ago, or whatever. Uh, I got an email. Uh, you, you guys remember Zappos.com? It's like a shoe mm-hmm. store, or shoe website. I bought a pair of shoes from them years ago, and I guess. I was involved in a uh, class action lawsuit about um, uh, like basically like my personal information, you know, kind of got stolen, you know, whatever Uh, jokes on anybody who would want to steal my identity. But, um, (laughs) but I got this email and they were like, Hey, so because you were involved in this class action lawsuit, uh, you don't get any money, but uh, here's 10% off at Zappos. And I'm like, no, 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 you stole my identity and now you want me to give you more money. No. Yeah, that's, that's not how that works. No, not at all. That's just asking for it to happen again. Exactly. <laughs> Zappos, more like Zap Nose. Moving on. So... I asked you guys to read about 7,000 books for this week, and I apologize, but uh, we're going to talk about five of those 7,000 tonight. Uh, We are going to start off with Savage number two. It's out now from Valiant by uh, Max Bemis and Nathan Stockman. So Savage has been captured by uh, Project Bazaar. Uh, Where does he fit in in their plan for world domination? Uh, Tabitha, let's start with you on this one. So TBH could not remember what happened in Savage 1. Didn't feel like going back to reread this, but I read it anyway. This is one of the most intriguing storylines I've ever read. 
but told in such a chaotic way that I can't focus. Like there's just so much going on in like a 20 page comic. Like the art is busy. There's 3,765 text bubbles on each image. The images where there aren't text bubbles have so much happening in the art that I, it took me 20 minutes to zoom in to try to figure out what was happening. Um, I really liked this story, but I really just wish it was told in a better and less stress inducing way and like not in a good way. Like it doesn't build that like anticipation. It just, it stresses me out <laughs> to read these, <laughs> which makes me sad because I really like the story and I like the character. I just don't like the layout of this. Matt, what do you think? Um, I, I do have to agree that it's chaotic. Um, part of it, I think, is just this, like, the story itself is is kind of chaotic. So the the layout and the the art reflects that to a degree. Um, I I really like the first one left me kind of I don't know intrigued, but kind of like yeah, I'm not real sure what to make of this. Um, now that we get more of the actual plot um, and the villains, not necessarily backstory, but like his motivation, um, I'm, I mean, I'm hooked. Like I, I want to know where this goes. Um, it's kind of a cliffhanger ending and I want to know how things are going to come back in as far as the, like the cliffhanger goes. Um, I think my favorite moment in this was the two page spread of him of savage is trying to escape from the um facility the facility and how like there's like up and down and left and right it almost looks like like the path that he would have taken through the hallways to get to these different rooms and then the things that he did in these different rooms like as he traversed the uh the facility and that was that was fantastic i absolutely love that layout yeah um there was one small jump that was really confusing to me though. And he was talking to, uh, I can't remember his name, the, the bad guy, the villain. Mm -hmm. um, and then all of a sudden he's fighting a dinosaur and I'm like, what the hell just happened? Where is he? <laughs> and then I kind of like realized that he'd thrown him in a pit and he was fighting this dinosaur and then he had to escape. But like that jump was very jarring. Um, but like I said, the ending leaves me wanting to know where this is going to go. That that moment that you're talking about, I had to kind of go back and be like, okay, wait, what happened? Um, but overall, yeah, I, I'm loving this story. Um, I also like, I think that Max Bemis is doing a really good job of writing Savage as somebody who's this kind of like larger than life icon. But at the end of the day, he's also still a teenager and Max Bemis remembers that this character is a teenager you know there's a lot of other you know teen superheroes or whatever that you've read throughout the years where it's like you don't get that feeling you know uh mm -hmm. point when he first meets uh may who is the professor's adopted daughter um mm -hmm. you know he just kind of like turns into like this like little lovesick puppy dog and it's like I, we've all been there <laughs> um Let's see. So out March 24th from Oni Press is Delicates. Uh, it is by uh, Brenna Thummer, Thumler, sorry. So it is a sequel 
to one of our favorites, uh, Sheets. And Delicates follows Marjorie as she tries to navigate middle school and tells a story of what it means to fit in and what it's like to feel invisible. Uh, Lydia, let's start with you on this one. I was really looking forward to this one. Like the moment we heard that it was going to be a thing. Uh, Sheets is one of the few uh, books I actually have a hard copy of. Um, This was just as good as the first one. Um, It does have a lot of that like middle school drama going on, but it's done in a very, um, it's it's done in such a manner that you forget that it's about that because it's so much deeper than that. Um, I love the like back and forth between her and Wendell and then getting to know Eliza and say Tabitha said at first like this book made me cry but one thing I did love is there's a one little thing that legitimately made me laugh out loud because you got all this serious stuff going on and then it's just like oh hey let me untie this little baby Timmy that I'm using as a rucksack (laughs) you're using another ghost as a okay (laughs) i love this and i need the hard copy to go with my sheets hard copy and i need it like now (laughs) uh tabitha what'd you think uh yeah i sent you guys the warning it was like hi this made me cry um this was super super well done like i really liked sheets and like it pulled at the heartstrings but there was just like something like super like i'm not a teenager anymore like i am pushing 40 here and like these teenage drama episodes where there was you know like these these moments where like you were just like oh man that's so relatable Mm -hmm. but i'm 40 and they're in high school so that's weird but whatever um this was just this was so good. Like the writing was great. The art was great. The, I could have dealt with some additional ghosts, but I will always take more Wendell, but like this was just, this was so good. Like I laughed out loud. I literally cried. Um, I got kind of frustrated a couple times, not like with anything. It's just, I am bad at reading teenage characters. Cause I'm like, God, why are you so stupid? But, um, <laughs> yeah, I want to like, slap Marjorie a couple times and be like, no, you're, you're better than this. <laughs> right. Like, you're just, you get so frustrated, but like, I just, I love this and I want more and more and more and more. And I never want this to stop. Okay. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> so, uh, out now from vault is I walk with monsters. Number four. It's by, uh, Paul Cornell and Sally Cantorino. Uh, so JC and David head into the heart of darkness and JC confronts the man who took her brother. Uh, Matt, you're the lone person who got to this story. Uh, what'd you think? Um, I, like we said last time with the other issues, um, these Nightfall comics from Vault um, are dark, but this one attacks some very dark personal issues um, and does so very well. Um, and it continues to do that in this issue. Um, there's a lot of there's not a whole lot of action in this issue. There's a lot of buildup, um, which leads to essentially this whole, this whole issue is just leading up to her confrontation um, with the guy that took her brother. And um, it, 
you can just feel the tension building as you go through this issue. Um, you do get um, an interesting moment where you realize or you find out that um, David um, cannot just be a wolf, but he can be other like shadow shapes. Um, and he takes on a snake in order to help uh, ret- you know, like a re- retcon or recon um, for getting into the building. And it, it's just, it, it's a slow building tension, <clears throat> which, like I said, comes to a head at the very end um, and is just going to pour over into the next issue. So um, we, I, at this point, it's kind of almost a wait and see, like where, where this uh, confrontation goes. Um, and I walk with monsters. It's actually because that first issue was so good. It's one of those books that I've been also buying like hard copies of. And mm-hmm. I, I bought the fourth issue. I don't think I ever got around to e- reading issue three. I don't, I, I may have, I don't really remember, but anyway, um, it's been, it's in my to read pile, which has just gotten exponentially bigger these last few weeks. It's kind of scary. <laughs> 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 out now from Tokyo Pop by Ataka and Sue Inayata. I'm sure that I did not pronounce that correctly, and I apologize. Um, and this is just the uh, synopsis of the story as well, because the name of the book is I Was Reincarnated as the Villainous in an Atome Game, But the Boys Love Me Anyway, Volume 1. Um, I got about a little less than halfway through this book. Um, it's it's interesting. I mean, like like the story says, this girl gets reincarnated as a villain in, and it's basically, it's like a dating game. Um, so she gets reincarnated in this dating game where she's the bad guy and she makes, she makes decisions that she thinks are making her not be a villain, but... Like I said, I'm only halfway through, so no spoilers, Matt, because I know you finished it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I have a feeling that these decisions that she's making, even though she's trying to not be the villain, make her the villain. But either way, it is like, it's a manga. So it's, you know, it was kind of confusing for me at first. Uh, but once I kind of got the hang of how those are meant to be read, I was, I was into it. I was a little disappointed. Um, I know that mangas are traditionally black and white, but like the first few pages were color. So I was really excited. And then it turned to black and white and I was like, oh, okay. But again, that's... <laughs> yeah, a lot of them do that. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, I can't be that mad because like I said, I, I knew what I was getting into when I read it. But the first page I was like, oh, sweet. Matt, what did you think? Um, this is interesting. And this definitely is absolutely... Um, volume one of a continuing story. Um, the, the, I, I did that thing, I did that American thing and I read the first chapter essentially backwards um, and then read the second and third and fourth chapters the correct way, reading the pages basically what right to left instead of left to right, which helped clarify the story as I went along, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> things happen in a much better order. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. Um, I do like the art style. Um, there's just this, this issue, this whole volume is definitely a lot of buildup to 
a conflict that we will see develop in later volumes. So, so the last book to uh, to talk about tonight, um, it is the Antifa Super Soldier Cookbook. It's out now from Silver Sprocket by Matt Lubchansky. Uh, what if Antifa was the big bad monster some people think it is? That's what we find out when Max Marks leads the battle against the big city police department. Matt, what did you think? This is great. This is 100% tongue-in-cheek. Um, it's, it, it is. It's, it's like, what if Antifa was what the media wants it to be or makes it out to be? Um, and, and their evil plots to undermine the media and politicians and the... Uh, the super soldiers that Antifa is creating with, uh, with agent Marks. It's just, I, I, I laughed and I smiled pretty much the whole way through, um, as I realized how tongue in cheek and, uh, you know, snarky the whole thing is. Yeah. Yeah. This book, it's, it's over the top with its, uh, with its satire and it's, it's phenomenal. The, the humor is right up my alley. Um, yeah, I just, I, I kind of like you, Matt, like I was either smiling or laughing at pretty much every single page. I mean, especially like there are some things in the background that make you laugh, you know, like it's just fantastic. Also, I need to know how Plucky, which is Big City's answer to the Philly fanatic. I need to know how Plucky got so high up in the Antifa ranks. That was... <laughs> I was looking at that scene where Plucky is sitting in amongst like the leaders of it, <laughs> and I'm like, "What? Huh?" <laughs> I also loved how like um, the uh, you know in that you know like high council or whatever you had like the president of Antifa didn't have a name. It was just <laughs> president of Antifa. It's like, yeah. I don't know that Antifa would hold even hold elections. I mean. To even have like a democratically elected president. No, <laughs> So, all right, we are going to get into some gut reaction. Oof, gut reaction. And we're going to start tonight with Tabitha with a Lord of the Rings reunion. Whoa. Okay. So, fun fact: Are you guys ready? All ready? All all ready to feel super old? Fellowship of the Ring premiered 20 years ago this year. Oh, God. God, it did. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. So that's a thing. Hold on, I gotta check the mailbox for my ARB card. Right? <laughs> um, to celebrate, Alamo Drafthouse is putting together a cast reunion that's going to be hosted by Stephen Colbert. Uh, cast members and, of course, Peter Jackson are going to come together to chat um, it's going to take place over three weeks, beginning March 25th, um, which is the release of Fellowship, and then Two Towers on April 1st, and then Return of the King on April 8th. Um, Colbert is, like, such a Tolkien nerd, so I'm kind of hoping that he calls Peter Jackson out on some of his... Uh, uh, Liberties? Diver yeah, uh, diversions from the actual <laughs> book for these movies. We'll see. Um, but Sean Astin, Kate Blanchett, Orlando Bloom, Billy Boyd, Ian McKellen, Dominic Monaghan, Viggo Mortensen, Andy Serkis, Liv Tyler, and Elijah Wood have all signed on to do this. So it's like basically the whole cast. 
Um, the Q&A sessions will play at Alamo Draft House locations during the screening of the 4K remastered versions of the trilogy as they release. Um, and then at some point, undetermined, they will release online to be watched or paid for or whatever they're going to do. Um, I think this is fantastic. I don't think you could find anybody better than Stephen Colbert to host this because, like I said, he is a giant Tolkien nerd. So that brings me joy. And also, I love the chemistry that all these people had at the time of filming these movies. And, like, they still have, like, you can see it, like, on social media. So thumbs up for this. Thumbs down for the fact that I'm not going to see it. The Lord of the Rings movies, 4K remastered in theaters, that breaks my heart a little bit, but I'll just watch them at home. It's fine. Matt? Um, I know in the past we've talked about with panels for like the virtual cons and things like that and how like wouldn't necessarily like pay to watch those things because the whole point of being there, like the whole point of watching it is to be there and experience it. This is something that I would pay money to view on my TV at home, like to watch them interact again, like on stage. Mm -hmm. um, I think this is fantastic. I love this idea. I really kind of can't wait until I can watch it in my living room. So thumbs up. Lydia. Yeah, absolutely. The, like that you guys have already said, they all have such great chemistry even still. And I can't believe that the movie's 20 years old. Like, wow. But yeah, I'm, I, I want to watch it in my living room sometime soon, preferably. But, you know, that's not how things like this work. But, yeah, giant thumbs up. Yeah, thumbs up. This is this is really cool. Um, you know, even even without Colbert's involvement, I think it, I, it would still get a thumbs up for me. But when you have the token Tolkien nerd, uh, I think that that just adds even more to it. Say that five times fast. <laughs> <laughs> you can even say it once slowly. <laughs> <laughs> Not on a bad day, that's for sure. <laughs> so, our favorite film that we still don't know why it's getting four sequels, Avatar, uh, was re-released in China. Uh, and so the uh, re-release saw first weekend or whatever uh, earnings of about $8.9 million which gives a to total worldwide box office gross of $2,798,579,794, which means that it has now overtaken Endgame to become, once again, the highest grossing movie of all time. Uh, Endgame had uh, grossed $2,797,501,328. So, thumbs thumbs down i avatar was good but like i still will never understand how avatar got to it, the place where it's at and also why we still haven't gotten avatar 2 even though that it was like the highest grossing movie of all time for as long as it was Tabitha. um avatar was fine but avatar is last of the mohicans with blue people <laughs> i stand by that like, you could watch them on the, like, split screen. It's the same film. This was not an original movie. There was not an original thought in it. Um, visually, it is appealing. However, I feel like this re-release in China was literally only to break, like, the box office record for Avengers. And that feels dumb. Like, it wasn't, like, an anniversary of anything. They weren't doing anything. They were just, like, here, 
Okay, thanks. Bye. Like, I don't... I, no, thumbs down. Go away, James Cameron. Nobody wants you. <laughs> Matt. This is James Cameron taking another pot shot at the MCU and how they're not quote-unquote film. He can just jog on. Um, the fact that this counts as, like as a re-release for the box office totals, garbage. Huge thumbs down for this whole thing. Lydia. Yeah, um, I'm still, I don't think I've actually seen Avatar all the way through. Like, I've seen bits and pieces that I've never actually seen it all the way through. Re-releasing it for something like this just feels cheap. And yeah, I agree with Matt, like that it, it counting towards the overall box office count for this is just not right. And having now seen it, Endgame deserved to be where it was. So no, thumbs down. Uh, Matt, we've got some PS5 news. PS5 news. Uh, we do. So, how invested in your games do you want to be? Um, because Sony ga- uh, uh, Game Rant discovered that a patent filed by Sony um, quote, would involve the use of positive, neutral, or negative interactions with varying scents. End quote. Yes. Sony has filed a patent to include smells in games. No information on how that would be delivered to the player, but that just sounds like it's going to (laughs) stink. I mean, really, though. Like, there's a lot of sweaty people in video games. (laughs) <laughs> that's not something that's not something I, I really want to experience while I'm playing a video game um, I mean they also, Sony also recently well earlier this month um, filed a patent uh, basically to try and find ways to make everyday objects into controllers including bananas and oranges so a lot of this technology doesn't ever go anywhere. It's just them doing research. But I mean, I, I'm just thinking about playing like Silent Hill with a banana as a controller. You get scared and then squeeze the banana and end up with a mess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think either of these are good ideas. I just don't. I'm going to go thumbs down for the fact that this technology is even being thought about. Lydia. Yeah. Um, I play some really weird video games. And there's some things I really do not want to know what it smells like. <laughs> and, and yeah, as far as like using fruit and things like that as a controller, just didn't, why? That's just a disaster <laughs> waiting to happen. Like, you ha- if you're going to use that, do you... Uh, run the uh, console off of a potato battery. Just, <laughs> you know, just curious. Um, I mean, but anything no- would be quieter than my PS4. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, thumbs down. Le- leave stuff alone. <laughs> yeah, thumbs down, Sony. You're doing too much, and I don't want to know what the prostitute in the latest GTA game smells like. So, <laughs> Tabitha. 
I was thinking it might be pretty cool until Matt said Silent Hill, and now I'm just trying to figure out what fear, blood, ash, and religious persecution smells like. <laughs> Me on a Wednesday. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> so we're not visiting Mitch on Wednesday? That's why we come to your house on Thursdays. Um, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, I always yeah, have that thumbs- huge bottle of Febreze. <laughs> Thumbs way down. Like, I've had those moments where I'm like, God, I wish I could explain what this room smells like to somebody, and I wish I could send it, but I don't want, like, those smells to come into my home. Like, I work very hard at the way my home smells. I don't need video games interrupting my unbalancing the chi inside my house. Like, no, thumbs down. (laughs) (laughs) Tabitha, let's talk about uh, Mara Wilson. Um, Thank you for saying it that way. I appreciate you. So Mara Wilson got to meet Daisy Ridley. And by that, I mean, Daisy Ridley got to meet Mara Wilson. Josh Horowitz's show Star Crazy hosted Daisy Ridley. To be honest, I didn't watch all of this because I don't care. But Daisy Ridley's favorite movie of all time is Matilda. And Josh Horowitz arranged for Mara Wilson, the star of Matilda, to make an appearance. And that little snippet that I watched where Daisy Ridley was meeting Mara Wilson was super cute. So as much as I don't like Daisy Ridley, the existence of Mara Wilson made up for it. So I'm going to give this a thumbs up, mostly because I would also be that excited to meet Mara Wilson. And Mara Wilson could have given two cares that Daisy Ridley was there. So high five, Mara Wilson, forever my spirit animal. (laughs) Matt. Um, Every time, I don't know, any time a celebrity gets geeked out over meeting another celebrity it just makes me smile to remember that even though they may be famous no matter who they are they have their own celebrity heroes and people that they you know would die to meet and that just that makes me laugh and like it it makes my heart happy so thumbs up Lydia I'll be entirely honest I'm not sure I would know who either one of these people are but it sounds cute, and like Matt said, I'm not always up for a celebrity geeking out over another celebrity, so cool. Thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, thumbs up. Uh, this is, it, it's heartwarming. Like, the, the only thing that could have made this better if you involved puppies, which congratulations to Pickett's puppy who had her own puppies. They're so cute. Like, should we should we all go in and try to adopt one as the official Geek Awakens mascot? So what happened was, I messaged Megan. <laughs> Did you already do it? Hold, please. <laughs> and I was like, hi, is Piper's offspring going to be biologically predetermined to hate Matt as much as Piper does? <laughs> because if so, I don't want a puppy. But if we think that the dog will not be like, my mom hates you, I want one. <laughs> <laughs> but Piper's hatred of Matt outweighed my want for a puppy. So if somebody gets one, it can't live here because it's probably going to hate Matt. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah. Piper does not like you. That that dog would bark at me as I walked away. Like that just she just I don't know. I I, I just don't know. You just hate. All the rage. <laughs> All the rage. You bring out the worst in Piper. Apparently. I thought you were just about to say you bring out the worst in people. <laughs> <laughs> At I my mean, moments. Same. Certain people, mostly Piper. 
Other people included. <laughs> oh, I sense a theme. <laughs> so moving on. <laughs> So uh, we've talked about the Image Comic uh, crossover a couple times, but um, the next or uh, one of the upcoming issues, uh, number seven, Donnie Cates and Jeff Shaw won't be um, won't be on this issue. They're actually they're going to be replaced by Chip Zdarsky, Phil Hester, and Andy Parks. Uh, thumbs up. Crossover is in one of those other books that I'm embarrassingly behind on but it's a fun story and i if i've said it once i've said it a thousand times um i would read the phone book if it was written by chip zadarsky uh agreed a hundred percent would read the phone book and or the bible written Ooh, can we get chip zadarsky to write the bible i would read it uh thumbs up um i know i i have not read any of this fs uh anti-event as they build it. Um, but I think this would be one of those things where you could switch, um, you know, writers and art teams in the middle of it, just based on the, the what I know of the series. So I'm going to go thumbs up, especially again, like Chip Zdarsky. So yes. Lydia. I again have no idea what any of this means. Um, I'm just going <laughs> to say that I'm indifferent and go thumb sideways. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, let's talk about new Captain America. Um, so there's going to be a new Captain America series coming out called United States of Captain America, uh, written by Chris Cantwell. It takes four previous caps, uh, Rogers, Bucky Barnes, Sam Wilson, and John Walker. They are going essentially on a road trip, um, if you will, to locate Captain America's lost or stolen shield. Um, along the way, they meet local heroes who have become Captain America's of their communities. In the first issue, which premieres June 2nd, they are being introduced to the very first LGBTQ plus Captain America, Aaron Fisher, who is Aaron, who is Captain America of the railways. Um, I, I'm kind of just going to read some of this, this story, this press release, because it says it better than I could. Um, Aaron is inspired by heroes of the queer community, activist leaders, and everyday folks pushing for a better life. He stands for the oppressed and, for, and the forgotten. I hope his debut story resonates with readers and helps inspire a generation, a next generation of heroes. Um, it, I think it's just fantastic that they're doing this and the way that they're doing this. Um, um, part of the art team, um, uh, Jan Baz Bazaluda um, did the design and they said I really enjoyed designing him and as a transgender person I am happy to be able to present an openly gay person who admires Captain America and fights against evil to help those who are almost invisible to society while I was drawing him I thought well Cap fights against super powerful beings and saves the world almost anyway Almost always, but Aaron helps those who walk alone in the street with problems they face every day. I help people like the end result. Um, huge thumbs up. I think this is fantastic. And um, in each of the issues of this series, you're going to meet a new Captain America of that local area. I think this is a great way to start it off. Absolute huge thumbs up. Lydia. So before I realized that this story was in our roster for tonight, uh, 
Kevin was scrolling through his phone and just literally stopped and was like, no. I was like, what? He's like, hold on, I have to read this. And then he explained to me what was going on because the way the title is, it seemed like they were going to take the Captain America that you know and change him, which I'm all for uh, representation, there's the word, and all that, but you don't need to change characters that are already there. And then once we got reading it, both of us are like, oh, that's really cool. Like, this is a really good way to go about this. So, yeah, this is really awesome. I might actually, like, read this. <laughs> I'm not a very big comic person, but I might actually read this. So, giant thumbs up. Yeah, yeah, thumbs up. Um, the The entire premise of this series uh, is, is just amazing. Uh, but yeah, like I, I'm really excited for this book as a whole. Uh, I like the idea of a Captain America road trip. Uh, but also, thumbs up to Kevin because he actually took the time to read the article and didn't just read a headline <laughs> on Facebook and jump to conclusions, you know, like 99.9999999% of the internet. So, Kevin <laughs> yeah, uh, you had me at five Captain Americas, and then you kept adding more Captain Americas, and even though they're not technically Captain America, they will always take more Captain Americas, and the more inclusive, the better. Thumbs up. <laughs> I do have uh, one question, though. Like, does this mean that there's more than one America's ass now? <laughs> no, that still belongs to the one and only Captain America, the original. Okay. D- Those others are just America. States. America has one ass. The states can have the other asses. Fair enough. That's how it works in my head. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about making an America's ass joke, but I know me and I would have crossed the line. And so I chose to not. For once in my life, I chose to not cross the line. Mitch woke up today and didn't choose chaos. (laughs) (laughs) He chose not to crack an ass joke. How's my (laughs) guy? <laughs> You're on one. I, <laughs> My God. So, Tabitha, let's talk about Kaylee Cuoco. Um. So she is set to play Doris Day in a limited TV series based on the book Doris Day: Her Own Story by A. E. Hotchner. Um. There's no timeline for production, no release date, and there's not an attached studio. But her production company, Norman Production, um has signed on to produce. Um, the son of the author is attached to the project as well as an associate of Doris Day. I didn't realize that Doris Day passed away in 2019. For some reason, I thought she had been dead for a really long time. So I'm, I'm here for this. Like Kaylee, yep, that one is like born to play Doris Day. Like she kind of looks like Doris Day. She kind of acts like Doris Day. Like that, this all just makes sense. Um, I love, I love a celebrity biopic. We all know I'm trash for those. So I'm going to go thumbs up. Matt. Um, I'm going to go thumbs up because you went thumbs up. I don't honestly know much about Doris Day. I don't know that I've seen many, if any, of her movies. Um, and I really don't think I've seen anything that Kelly from Big Bang Theory has ever been in. So, Lydia, before you respond, you need to know that I titled my notes. Watch it. Hey, I'm Doris Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this sounds like a lot of fun. I think she'll do a good job. Uh, 
say being a biopic, it will probably be a little bit more serious, and she doesn't get a chance to do that very often, so I'm really excited to see what she can do with this, so thumbs up. Yeah, I'll give it a, I'll give it a thumbs up. Uh, I personally, I'm not saying I disagree with, uh, with you, Tabitha, but I don't personally see the, the, the connection or whatever to Doris Day, but again, I, I'd be happy to be wrong. Um, I'm wrong plenty of times, but yeah, but yeah, sounds good. Thumbs up. So, uh, everyone's favorite, uh, almost Time Lord, uh, River Song, aka Alex Kingston, spoke to Radio Times, and she said, when talking about whether or not River should meet the current Thirteenth Doctor, she said, "quote It would be a great shame if it were not to happen. Let's put it that way." Uh, yeah, thumbs up. Uh, give me River Song and Thirteen right now. I need it right now. Right now. Right now. I don't care that River Song is River Song story is quote unquote over. It's Doctor Who. No one's story is ever over. Tabitha. This is why I don't know how I'm going to keep watching Doctor Who because it sounds like it gets very confusing with story and some plot lines and people and going places. Um, <laughs> but can can you confirm that River Song is it played by the actress that was in ER? Is that the same person that I'm thinking of? Yep, same person. Okay, I'll allow it. Thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> Matt. Uh, so 13 has already brought back Captain Jack. 13 needs to bring back River Song. Um, the whole River Song plot line is absolutely mind-bending and phenomenal. Um, if we could bring that into Jodie Whittaker's Doctor, 100% absolutely all for it. Thumbs up. Lydia. So I, I don't Doctor Who. I know very little about Doctor Who. My Doctor Who knowledge is basically what I found on Pinterest and Reddit. Um, but <laughs> I can agree with Tabitha that it seems very, very confusing, but you guys are excited. So thumbs up for your excitement. Um, before we move on, I just want just one, one single episode with just 13 Captain Jack and River. Or even any Doctor Captain Jack and River. Or my even head. just Captain Jack and River. Oh, my head might explode. That's yes, please. Yeah. Let's 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 make that happen. Because that that never happened, did it? Uh uh-uh. uh We never got one with the Doctor, River, and Jack. Nope, nope. They've never met. Oh my god, that that banter would be epic. Yeah. Oh, spoiler, sweetie. <laughs> So um, when you get to River Song, it'll make sense. I promise. Yeah. I know, but please never say sweetie. Again. <laughs> <laughs> that made you feel so icky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. So Matt, uh, wake me up and tell me about the uh, new Evanescence comic. <laughs> Been waiting all night for that. <laughs> Tabitha just left. She just left. Oh, oh, she's going outside. Oh. Goodbye. Goodbye. It's cold out there. Fear for your life, Mitchell thinks she's coming to kill you. That sounds about right. (laughs) I've been saving that one since I posted the story. Congratulations. Uh, um, So, Evanescence, who is apparently still a band, if you can call him a band, um, is working with Incendium 
and Heavy Metal Entertainment to produce a graphic novel, graphic anthology entitled Echoes from the Void. Uh, it is going to be a five-issue series, and it will have stories that expand on themes from their new album, which releases March 26th. Um, each issue will contain stories based on two or more songs. It sounds like each issue is going to be limited to 3,000 copies and is going to be 1895 uh, and releases sometime in June. Um, maybe if they wanted this to be a thing and be good, they should have worked with Z2 Comics. Um, thumbs down for this idea. Lydia. Darn it, I wanted to be excited about this because I like Evanescence and with all the different uh, things that we've been seeing with comics and um, musicians like teaming up for stuff, stuff like this, it sounds like a really cool idea. And then you lost me at the limited amount of print copies and that price tag. Like, right? come on, thumb sideways. Now you, you said that was 1895 an issue or is it for the anthology? As it, it sounds like it's going to be 1895 an issue and a limited run of 3,000 copies, I mean, that sounds like it's just based on the first issue. The the next four may be different. Okay. It was kind of hard to tell based on the article. Yeah, I was, I was prepared to give this a thumb sideways because while I dug their first big album, uh, Evanescence isn't one of my favorite bands, um, but at the same time, it was like, okay, cool. Well, it's not for me, but I'm sure it's for lots of people. So, you know, sure, cool, go for it. But yeah, you lost me at that price point. Like, absolutely not. Um, it, this is it's only for 3,000 people, apparently, not for that many. Yeah, fair. This is uh, not an I love you 3,000 moment. <laughs> <laughs> so this would be where I would ask for Tabitha's opinion, but she's... Still not back. Oh, there she is. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't leave. Oh, there's the bell. That bell is not for any of you. That bell is for Evanescence and thinking they're worth $18.99. Anytime, <laughs> anywhere, any song. They're not worth the quarter you got to put in the jukebox to make it play. I'm done. Mic drop. I'm out. <laughs> Is that a so thumbs that's, down? Then? That's, that's two thumbs down. That's my thumbs, Arnie's thumbs, any thumbs I can find down. Evanescence got the first shame of the year that wasn't any of us. <laughs> Good for them. First, they don't mind. <laughs> so, Tabitha, let's talk about Westbrook. Like the you apartment? confused me for a minute because I'm like, I don't know what that means. Um, Searchlight Television has optioned N.K. Jemison's The Inheritance Trilogy for TV development. Uh, Westbrook Studios, which is Will and Jada Pinkett Smith's uh, production studio, will be producing. Um, it's going to be an epic live-action fantasy series. They're still searching for a writer, a director, and a cast, but it's coming. Uh, the series is comprised of three books, 100,000 Kingdoms, Broken Kingdoms, and The Kingdom of Gods. Uh, kind of general plot is that gods dwell among the mortals in one very powerful, very corrupt family um, rules the earth, but they are also the key to salvation for humanity. I am 
excited to see how they do this. And I trust that this production company will keep the casting correct for N.K. Jemison's work. So I'm giving this a very excited thumbs up if it's done correctly. I've not read these books, but they're like well-loved. They're like some of the best like black written sci-fi out there. So just fingers crossed all over the place, guys. Matt. Uh, I am going to go thumbs up as well. Um, mostly I think based on the fact that um, Will Smith and Jada Pickett Smith's production company is kind of backing this. So that makes me hope, it makes me very hopeful that they're going to do representative justice to N.K. Jemison's characters in World. Um, so thumbs up. Lydia. What they said. Thumbs up. Yeah, no, this sounds this sounds really intriguing. And yeah, if done right, this has potential to be really, really cool. So yeah, thumbs up. Uh, last story for Gut Reaction. Matt, uh, we've got a Mystery Girl adaptation. We do. So Mystery Girl is a comic series that uh, originally published in 2015. Um, it is coming to Netflix. And Tiffany Haddish has signed on to star and help produce. Um. The comic book series was written or created by Paul Tobin and Alberto Albuquerque. Uh, it was originally set in London. This new version, Haddish, is going to star as Treen, who is the main character, a street psychic who is living off the grid in L.A. instead of London this time. Um, but she has no memory of who she is or her background. Um, I, I think this sounds cool. Um, I have not read the comic. I didn't know about the comic until this. Um, but again, you know, Netflix and their um, track record for adaptation so far has been pretty damn good. So I'm going to go thumbs up. Lydia. Yeah, I also don't know anything about this, but it sounds really cool. So tentative thumbs up. Yeah, uh, agreed. Tiffany Haddish, she's one of those actresses that uh, I haven't seen a whole lot of stuff that she's been in, but everything that I've seen her in, I've I've loved her. So I'm... I'm definitely in for this. Sounds cool. Thumbs up. Tabitha. Um, I love Tiffany Haddish more than life, more than anything, more than the moon. So thumbs up. <laughs> so she's the exact opposite of Amy Adams? Yes, correct. <laughs> <laughs> Just had to verify. So, okay. Yes. So there's, there's a new movie out starring Tiffany Haddish and Amy Adams. Do you see it or not? Um, I see it because my love for Tiffany Haddish outweighs my hate for Amy Adams. Fair enough. I Good answer. <laughs> I feel like we had the same kind of discussion when we were talking about the Dear Evan Hansen movie. Yeah. Oh, God. Don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our last story for tonight, I was going to keep it in gut reaction, but then I decided I, I kind of wanted to open it up for having more of an open discussion. Um, Tabitha... Why are they remaking the monsters? Because sometimes I think Rob Zombie gets bored. <laughs> <laughs> like that's yeah. that's why I'm pretty sure Rob Zombie does most things. Like I feel like Rob Zombie just like lives in his home and does normal dude shit, and then all of a sudden he's like, I haven't done anything really strange in a while. 
what can I do? And then he just like turns on the TV or he like opens a book. He's like, perfect, wonderful. Make a super effed up version of this. Well, he turned on Nick at Night or whatever the Monsters is on. And he is now set to write and direct an R-rated Monsters movie for Universal. Uh, Sherry Moon Zombie, his wife, will play Lily Monster. Uh, Jeff Daniel Phillips is set to play Herman. Uh, Dane Roebuck, Jorge Garcia, Richard Broke have also been cast. And Cassandra Peterson, a.k.a. Elvira, will be involved somehow in some kind of supporting role. We don't have a release date. We don't have a filming schedule. We don't really have anything, except now we have the information that Rob Zombie is writing a monster script. And I love, loved, love, will always love the monsters. Um, Grandpa Monster is my hero. Um, I don't know how I feel about this. Like, at first I was like, why? What are you doing? Take a nap, retire, go do something else strange. But then I started thinking about it. And every time Rob Zombie directs a movie, I'm like, why is Rob Zombie directing a movie? And then I watch the movie and I'm like, oh my God, Rob Zombie should direct more movies. Like there is no, <laughs> there is no middle ground. It's always me being like, ew. And me being like, oh, like, <laughs> I just, I don't know. And I love Sherry Moon Zombie. If you've ever listened to like her be interviewed, she is one of the most intelligent, snarky, bitchy people I've ever had the privilege of like listening to like she's one of those people that like I would see her and she would probably be super mean to me but I would thank her for it later um like <laughs> thank you for yelling at me that was the best experience of my whole life um so I'm personally I will probably watch this and I will probably be upset until the moment that I watch it and then I will probably fall in love with it because that's just how I am with Rob Zombie so here we are yeah, I was really, really worried when you were talking about a Munsters, like, remake, and then you said Rob Zombie, and now I'm kind of intrigued. Right. <laughs> see it. I'm still not on board with, I, I don't know, like, I don't think we need an R-rated Munsters. Um, I think it'll probably be just R-rated because you know how like uh, the the perky the perky niece whose name I can't remember because she was mm. never that important to me. Oh yeah. Um, comes home with like you know super vanilla dudes. Like I feel like they're just gonna murder those super vanilla dudes. Like if I'm channeling my inner Rob Zombie, um, I feel like that's what's gonna happen. So it's just gonna be kind of like the monsters had a baby with House of a Thousand Corpses, which sounds weird. But it's one of those things where then you watch it and you're like, why is this good? Because Rob Zombie, I can't make it make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, even though I'm disappointed in an R-rated Monsters because, you know, the Monsters are pretty family friendly, even though they're monsters. Uh, I'm also disappointed that they didn't cast Ted Cruz as Grandpa Munster. Munster. Give them time. He's too busy. He's got, you know, vacations to go on. And stuff. <laughs> That's, he was going to state to run, but he's not doing that, so. That's why he was going to go to Cancun. He was actually going to go to audition to be Grandpa Munster. Oh, but no, then, no, he can't. Yeah. Bad day. They'll just, <laughs> <laughs> just have to find the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> nice replacement. Uh, I don't know, like. Rob Zombie is just one of those people that, like, everything they do I think is weird, but then I love it, and I hate myself for it a, a little bit, so I feel like this isn't going to be any different. I'm going to hate the fact that I love it, but I'm going to love it. 
Like every time the man released a new album there for a while, it was like, ew, Rob Zombie, why are you real? I love this. This is great. <laughs> I don't know. My brain is broken. <laughs> uh, man. So, all right. Well, yeah, I've got, I was trying to figure out a way to segue into, you know, my outro, but I got nothing. So I guess consider this the segue into the outro. So that's all the time we have for this episode of The Geek Awakens. <laughs> we'll be back next week, but in the meantime, be sure to follow us on social media, or we'll be posting stuff throughout the week. While you're there, give us some feedback and tell us what cool stuff we're missing out on. Any questions, comments, or concerns, then shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. From all of us at The Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope to catch you next time. Everybody say bye. Bye! bye.